Good morning to you Three Counties Church. Uh, here I am again from my study in the Highlands of Scotland uh, near Inverness, bringing you greetings from our own church here, uh, which is the uh, Inverness Vineyard Church, um, and also, as always, sending my love and my ongoing prayers for you all. I'm sorry I can't be with you uh, live and in person, uh, but I guess this, for the moment, is the next best thing. I've been asked to speak this morning on the subject of the Pentecost message, uh, which we find in Acts and chapter 2. In many cases, many theologians and commentators on Scripture would say to you that this is the crux moment, Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the gospel in the marketplace, not in the upper room, because church is always best established in the marketplace and not behind locked doors, the COVID or otherwise, that actually this is the birth of the church, the church that Jesus Christ had in his heart and his mind, according to Ephesians chapter 5, as he hung on the cross, not just individual salvation, but the creation of a gospel people. And so if you have your Bibles available to hand in whatever form, uh, I'd like you to follow a few verses. We're not going to read the, 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 the Pentecost message in Acts 2. actually runs from verse 1 right the way through to around about verse 41. Uh, and that's a big passage. But I really want to concentrate for this morning on the first 14 verses. Uh, and then I'll fleetingly mention what follows through to verse 41. So follow with me, if you would, from Acts chapter 2, beginning to read at the top of the chapter, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or languages, glossolalia. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine, in other words, they're drunk. Verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fantastic story of the birth of the early church and the, the successful preaching uh, by Peter under the power of the Holy Spirit of the gospel of Jesus Christ which then immediately sees about 3,000 people saved and added to the number of the early church 
I want to draw a few points uh, out of this message which I hope are relevant today as relevant as they were right back then. We'll start uh, with the first point I want to draw your attention to which is in verse 1. They were all together in one place. I love that and I think it's easy to gloss over it really quickly and to assume that what that means is they were physically, geographically approximate to each other. They were near to each other. <laughs> they were close to each other uh, geographically, physically. And of course it does mean that. But I would like to suggest to you this morning that it means that plus. It means more than that. I don't think this is just talking about they were all in one place geographically. I think it's talking about they were all in one place relationally and spiritually, in heart and in mind, in vision and in calling. There's no back row mentality going on here. They're all about to stand up together. They're all about to be present under the power of the Holy Spirit. The miracle that takes place is not that all those individual people from those individual places, that horrible list I just read out, the miracle isn't that they individually heard individual ones of them speaking in their own language. If you read the text properly, it's that every single person from all those different places heard each one of them speaking, all of them speaking in their own language. This wasn't just a miracle of sudden gifts in language. This is a miracle of interpretation, of communication, which actually is symbolic, of course, of the gospel going out now across the known world. Symbolic, but also literal. A miracle of God. How does that happen? Because they're all together. Because they're in one place, not just geographically, but in heart and in mind. <laughs> I know my uh, my dad used to say uh, quite often to me, you know, you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your family. <laughs> and uh, and that's true, isn't it? You can't choose your family and you can't choose your church family. Have a look around this morning on Zoom or live, however you're meeting. This is the family of God. It's God who picks them, not you. He simply adds you to them. And so we have to work at all being together not just physically although some of us long for that again since a covid lockdown but also in heart and in mind in spirit and in vision in call and in relationship the bible does talk it's one of the apostle paul's abiding metaphors of the body of christ and and it does talk of the mystical 1 corinthians 12 is an example the mystical unity of the body of christ but it also talks the apostle paul also talks about the maintained unity of the body of christ not just its mystical unity we're all one body but its maintained unity ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 that we must work hard together to forgive one another bear one another's burdens love one another weep with one another rejoice with one another forgive one another apologize to one another reconcile with one another being one together in heart and mind in vision in call and in purpose it's uh, part of the great high priestly prayer is it not of Jesus Christ himself, which we read about in John chapter 17, verse 23, that when the world sees that we are one, they will know that we belong to God. 
and will perhaps respond accordingly. So we're all in it together. Whatever level, we're all in it together. The second thing uh, I want to say about uh, this, uh, still, I guess, um, from the first verses, uh, not are they just all together, but they are all together where Jesus had told them to be. If we were to just hop back into Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus had told, the risen Christ had told them, get together, get together, and that's what they do. So this is also the context of obedience and of living in answered prayer. That they're all together, and they've been praying, and the Holy Spirit falls. So the message of Pentecost is birthed in unity, not just in proximity, but in unity. It's birthed in obedience, in being where Jesus tells them to be, and it's birthed in prayer. And the next thing I want to point out is in verse 4. Very inclusive again, isn't it? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I suppose my question to you this morning is this. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? That would have been your message from last week. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. I was first filled with the Holy Spirit when I was at university, aged 19 years old. As far as I can tell, I was already a Christian, but I was not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lived within me. You cannot be a Christian without being born again. John 3 verse 5, of the Spirit of God. His seal upon us, if you like, for our, the guarantee of our destiny. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. But there's an additional command which we read about in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, which is that you must be filled with the Holy Spirit and actually it's in the Greek present continuous tense not as a one-off Pete was filled at 19 in the university in Hull but as an ongoing experience you must go on being filled with the Holy Spirit is what Ephesians 5 verse 18 says so here's my two questions from verse 4 of Acts chapter 2 the Pentecost message have you been filled with the Holy Spirit are you currently filled with the Holy Spirit uh, every, every morning I, I will have said to you before every morning you'll be pleased to know even in lockdown I have a shower and every morning in the shower I ask Jesus by his spirit to wash me clean because I need his mercies fresh every day but also to baptise me again in the Holy Spirit to fill me To the word baptise from the Greek baptizo <laughs> that's good isn't it literally means to be drenched to be doused to be saturated am i are you every one of them inclusive is filled with the holy spirit so the next thing that we see from this uh, pentecost message well they begin to speak in other tongues glossolalia languages is literally what it means there as the spirit enables them and then we get this long list that any public reader dreads all these places that they might mispronounce uh, which we read about from verse 5 onwards and actually 
what the writer is doing here, the writer, of course, is Dr. Luke. He's writing the book of Acts to explain the ongoing work of Jesus through the apostles to his friend Theophilus. And what the doctor is saying here, in effect, is there were people gathered together from every tribe and nation. It, that, that's not insignificant. First of all, it's prophetic about where the gospel must go before Jesus comes back. But it also looks backwards to the Great Commission in Matthew and chapter 28, where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. The, the phrase that's used is teesne, of all the people groups. And here we've got the nations represented, but not just the nations, the people groups. You don't have to go abroad to be good news to people. Find the people groups that are around you, as well as the nations that are represented around you. And so this message goes out, this Pentecost message goes out to every nation, Teesne. Why? Because they're all savable. God has never made a single human being that he does not want saved. He would that all people everywhere raise up holy hands to him. God is unwilling that any should perish. They're all, they won't all get saved, that's about choice. But they're all savable. And, and that's a promise that gets repeated again and again in Scripture. Jesus is coming back, Matthew 24, verse 40, when this glorious gospel has gone out to all the nations, take ethne. It's referred to in Revelation as the, as the nations gather around the throne uh, as Jesus returns. Who's there in Revelation 7 verse 9? Representatives from every tribe and nation, Teethne. This is the Pentecost message. It's our message today that we go to all together in one heart, mind and vision and call and good relationship, filled with the Holy Spirit, that we go to all the people groups as well as to all the nations. The next thing that I want to draw your attention to uh, is actually found in verse 7. Verse 7 says this, Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? The word amazed there, it, it does mean amazed, but it's slightly more than that. It's kind of, it's almost like dumbfounded. It's almost, it carries an element of shock, almost of dismay. They are reacting to the work and the gift of the Holy Spirit upon these ordinary Galileans, that's the point of Galileans, ordinary rough cut, rural, cut, you know, thick accented people. The point I want to make from verse 7 is this the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to the body in order to see the body grow, not just in terms of its maturity, but in terms of its reach. To grow not only in depth, but also to grow in width. And the context of much of the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charismata, the charismatic gifts, grace gifts, not gifts that we deserve, not gifts that we earn, but that are grace given. The point of the gifts throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, 25% of the Gospels, if you add the book of Acts, 30% of the book of Acts, the context of the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is mission. It's not about coddling the church 
and feeling super happy and holy and, and ooh, Holy Spirit tingles on a Sunday morning. It's about breaking that out from the church into the nations, the people groups, Tayesne, around us. It's got a practical landing place, hasn't it? I kind of wonder, I ask myself, I ask you, when was the last time that I got a word of knowledge for somebody who doesn't know Jesus, not just for somebody in a meeting? When was the last time that I had a prophetic picture or a word that described where someone was at who doesn't know God, not just somebody or a church who does know God? When was the last time that uh, I prayed for somebody for healing, not in a church meeting because they're a brother or a sister, but out on the streets or at a dinner party or in the supermarket? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given in the context of mission not just the cosy context of the locked room but the marketplace the next thing I want to draw your attention to is what we read in verse 12 and 13 which is lovely, it's very real isn't it so in verse 12 we get that word get amazed, amazed, dumbfounded slightly, oh what's going on, and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean some however made fun of them and said oh they've had too much wine in other words uh, they're drunk other versions will say it's only nine o'clock in the morning and look at them already they're drunk the point I want to make is this if we will unite together no back row together geographically but also together in heart and mind in calling in purpose in vision in relationship if we will do that in the power of the holy spirit filled with the holy spirit if we will go to every people group represented in this area and in this church and in our families and and the, and the nations if we will do those things if we will get the gifts of the holy spirit out of the cozy comfort zones of zoom or the church rows be it two meter distance separate or not if we'll get the gifts out into the context of mission then here's the heart warming news it, it's quite simple there's only going to be two responses it's not complicated we don't need to hum and ah and wonder what will they how will they there's only going to be two responses they're only either going to say oh my goodness what does this mean tell us some more or they're going to say now get out of it not for me not for us you're mad you're drunk you're off your head not in this day and age only two responses so we needn't fear and we can prepare ourselves for either there are only two responses the last thing that I want to say from this passage is, is really where we finished up I guess in, in verse 14 it's very easy isn't it to read this passage and even to picture this passage with Peter doing the preach the hero Peter the one who betrayed Jesus three times and let him down and, uh, the one who 
that's so insecure and constantly going over the top. And, and here is his moment of redemption. It's Peter that preaches the message of Pentecost and sees 3,000 people, for goodness sake, added to the church on that day. But read what it says in verse 14. You see, Peter may have been the mouthpiece. It's okay to have a mouthpiece. But what it actually says in Acts chapter 2 verse 14 is this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. They were all in it together. And whilst we may need the mouthpiece of the evangelist, the reality is we absolutely need the altogetherness of the witness. Peter may have been the evangelist mouthpiece on this occasion, he was. But they were all standing together, united together. Not just the evangelist, but the witness. Martus in the Greek. In other words, somebody who speaks from personal first-hand knowledge of what they know to be true. It's the word that eventually came to give us the English word martyr. Because in the early church, doing that about Jesus might cost you your very life. These days, probably the most it will cost us is a little bit of kudos and reputation. So there we have it, the essence, the essence of the message of Pentecost. Now obviously, uh, Peter goes on, uh, and we can learn from the following verses up to verse 41, uh, in terms of how Peter does uh, what he does. So you, you'll notice his emphasis upon the Holy Spirit being unleashed like a river upon all flesh. Uh, you will notice, therefore, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit. This is, after all, Pentecost. You will notice that he is then at great pains to contextualise his message. In other words, he doesn't change his message, but he finds the points of fit with the people that he's talking to. Particularly, he's talking here uh, to a bunch of, uh, of Jews uh, in, in that region. Although there are people from all over the area, his first port of call, his first appeal is to the predominant people there and that is to the Jews and that's why he contextualizes it with references uh, to the prophets in the Old Testament with uh, whether that's Joel or whether it's uh, Israel or what he talks to them in language that they would understand that's what the fancy word is missiological contextualization but all it means is making the one message fit the right people in the right place at the right time and not just having a message but being a message and the result of this Holy Spirit led Holy Spirit empowered contextualised message on Pentecost well the result is salvation and we finish that message down there in verse 40, 41 with many other words he warned them and pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation and those who accepted this message and not all of them those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day this is the message of Pentecost it is as relevant now as it was then it is as needed now as it was then and I would suggest that it will it will ripple out from us, Jesus now disciples, just as powerfully as it ever did. 
But there are seven points there, I think. You'll find if you can add them up, what I've just whipped through there, that might help us to live in the good, the personal good, but also the interpersonal good of the message of Pentecost. It's my prayer for you, Three Counties Church, that ever and increasingly you live in the power and the purpose of the message of Pentecost, and you'll do it together. Jesus, bless this wonderful church. Empower them with your spirit, not just for their own good, but for the good of those around them. Te ethne, every people group, every tribe and nation that you put their path across. To the glory of Jesus we ask. In his name. Amen. Bless you. Three Counties Church, a church dear to my heart. You're in my prayers. And I look forward to being with you again. God bless you.